I have been, just on a personal level, very hungry for the prophetic. I really believe in, I actually am a Christian because of divine healing and seeing that. I mean, I would not, I would not follow Jesus if I hadn't seen some of the things that I seen just because I'm a person of great skepticism, and to be honest, I had a lot of doubt, okay? I'm not going to lie and say, like, I had so much faith. I was like, is this really real? And then stuff started happening. I was like, oh, it's real. <laughs> and, and so I hope that encourages you. It's not that you have to come to God like this, like, pumped up, hyped up faith. I think you can come with your curiosity and your, like, questions and then let God demonstrate his, his promises and goodness and then, then sign your life on the dotted line, you know? <laughs> But um, for the prophetic, I've just been very hungry for that um, recently. And so uh, I did in September, a, I, do, I do like month-long challenges for myself. If I want to like grow, uh, I do like month-long. So uh, in April of 2008, I did a month-long deaf ear April, okay? And so I prayed for every deaf person I could find for one month. I just set a goal. I was like, wherever they are, church bookstore, wherever, wherever I am, if I see someone with a hearing aid, I'm going to pray for them, okay? And so I saw exactly zero people healed of deafness. <laughs> I prayed for like nine or ten people. Uh, and then uh, fast forward, that was in April. And then in June, I saw, uh, I was on a ministry outreach in uh, Honduras and saw like the most dramatic healing of deafness I've ever seen. And, uh, and uh, so, th- so just to let you know, I love month-long challenges. I encourage you, if there's something in the Bible you want to see growth in, Set a month-long challenge. You can do that. So in September of this uh, 2019, I did a, I want to get names of people or family members for a whole month. And so I, in the month of September, would go up to people and be like, hey, is your name Scott? Does Scott mean anything? No. (laughs) For a whole month. Just like, hey, does Judy mean anything to you? No. All right, right, all right. (laughs) But I find that if you are asking God and you're putting feet to what you're asking for, right, and you're willing to just take the risk, you know, and, and kind of bear that, that God will give breakthrough. So at the end of the month, it started happening. And so it's just, now it's kind of normal. Like every week I'll get, you know, a couple times a week, I'll get, you know, family member names or names for people. So I was at Denny's with Scott Kong the other day, and we're just talking and doing some mentorship. And the, the waitress keeps coming up, and I keep getting the name Andrea. It just comes so strong in my spirit. And, uh, and then at the end, it came like three times. So she came up, and I was like, does the name Andrea mean anything to you? She's like, oh, that's my sister. And then I had, like, this really weird, I'm not, like, super bold in the sense of, like, I try to be, like, cool about it and kind of present it. But suddenly, like, the spirit of boldness came on me, and I was like, you can tell me what she needs prayer for, or I will tell you what she needs prayer for. And I'm thinking, like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, my mind's like, shut up. And my mouth was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was kind of nervous. She was like, well, tell me what, I need pr- what she needs prayer for. And so, and then uh, just got a strong picture, an image of, I saw, like, she was in a ra- relationship, and it was, like, really heavy, the the male figure is very heavy, like domineering over her, and that it had like her personality had been made very small. And so I just shared, hey, I just feel like she's in a domineering relationship that she can't I, really grow as a person and be the person God's called her to be, and that uh, it's actually your mom was the same way. Like it just comes in the moment. Like your mom had the same relationship, and that's passed down to her, and that God wants to invade her life, give her a real identity in Christ, and help her become the person she's supposed to be. She's like. That's crazy. That's so accurate. I'm calling her right now. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so now whenever I go to Denny's, like, people will just come up and get prayer from us. Like, the waitresses will come across, like, can you pray for me? I had this court thing coming up. So I, like, I'm like Dennis, Denny's, like, evangelist now. <laughs> uh, the Grand Slam, James Petty. <laughs> but all I have to say is that uh, 
I come to the supernatural in like a very like, I'm more curious than I am like knowing what I'm doing, okay? I'm just, and I think we can all do that. We can take our curiosity and say, God, if you're able, I'm willing to put myself in position and let you be God, and I'm willing to be used. And so that's, as the, at the School of Supernatural, I'm like the supernatural coach. My job is to help you kind of get from, if you're at like a level one supernatural, I'd like to get you to a three to four, right? We're not looking to like, you know, knock it out of the park and you're a 10 by the end, but I want to see just some growth and help give you some practical steps on how to get there, Okay. So can we just pray? Holy Spirit, we just love you. God, we just thank you for your presence. Father, we ask that you would demonstrate Jesus today in this place. God, that you would show up and show off and and make us hungry, God. I pray that you'd stir hunger in our hearts. Help us to know you, to seek you, to follow hard after you. And God, I pray that you bless everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So today I'm going to talk about expectations of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is not like... I'm not trying to weird you out, but I know that some people think like the, like the, the Holy Spirit's like the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. Like have people are like, Father, I'm good with Jesus. He's all right. Holy Spirit, <laughs> I don't know. You know. But Holy Spirit, I mean, he is the manifestation of, of God to us on planet Earth. He abides in us. And I know that we may have been around people who said that they had the Holy Spirit and they acted weird and they scared us. And you know what? I just want to recognize that that has probably happened to you. You've met those people who are like, I have the Holy Spirit. Like, whoa, and you're like, whoa, dude, this is crazy. This is, if this is Holy Spirit, I'm not sure if I want some of this, you know. But the Holy Spirit, uh-oh, Christian, I'm not sure whose cap is whose, and I'm a little nervous. <laughs> well, show me, Lord. <laughs> like, Mark 16, no poisonous thing shall hurt you. <laughs> All right, so... I just want to talk about expectations because for many of us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has kind of been boiled down to like, you're at a church camp meeting, someone prays for you, they really want you to speak in tongues, you speak in tongues, and that's it. Like, and that's about the summation of the baptism. Okay, there's so much more to the baptism of the Holy Spirit than like, shabaraba. You know, like that's, that is good. We want you to speak in tongues. I think that's healthy if that's what God has for you. But at the same time, to make the encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit about speaking in tongues is to miss the point. The, the baptism is about encountering the living God. And I just want to unpack it so that we can have biblical expectations of what, what that is. Because it's such an important thing uh, that when John the Baptist went around in all four Gospels, he didn't say, like, there's one coming after me who's going to die on the cross and take away your sins. No, he said, there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he says that four times. Like, why? If you're going to mention the first thing, like the law of first mention, this is what Jesus is going to do, then that's a really important thing. You know, like he, there's a lot he could have said about what Jesus would do, and yet that's four times that's mentioned as being the preeminent thing. So if we don't understand what, what Jesus died for and what the, the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, then we can miss a lot of what God has for us, okay? And so I just want to talk about what are the expectations that the disciples had in, in Acts 1 when Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Okay, so you can open it. I don't, I'm going to find the, uh, where I'm going to read here in just a second. All right. Okay, so we can start in verse 4. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked the Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, 
It's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, you're going to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And then, don't you think the disciples' response is kind of funny? They're like, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom? So he's saying, like, I'm gonna, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, is this when you're going to come and, like, be king over Israel and, like, rule as the Messiah? Like, that's a weird connection. Like, what, no one says to me, like, James, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, and then Jesus is going to return, right, and rule from Israel. Like, that's not my expectation, but it was their expectation. And the reason is because if you, if you had, like, if you were a Jewish person at this time in the first century, and, and you have the, the backdrop of what the Holy Spirit, what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes on someone's life, okay? So you've got, like, you know, seas divide, and... Uh, fire comes down from heaven, and then the Holy Spirit comes on people, and just insanity ensues, okay? Like, crazy things happen. Armies are burned up. Uh, Fire comes from heaven. Like, this is awesome stuff. Like, the most powerful thing happens to people when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So, these guys are like, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon us. Twelve of us are going to go route the the Roman army out of Israel, and Jesus will return. You know, like, you, you'll set yourself up as king. Like, that's a very high expectation of what it is to have the Holy Spirit on your life, right? Like, the Holy Spirit come on me. I'm going to grab a jawbone of a donkey, kill a thousand people. <laughs> right? Like, that's insane stuff, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on your life. And so if, if their expectation is, like, God is going to come into my life in a very unique way, in a very powerful way, and your expectation is very high, and we come to it, like, Holy Spirit's going to come in your life, and you're going to speak in tongues. And that's about it. Like, you can see that there's, like, a big difference in our expectation, right? And so, really, if you can have a, a biblical expectation and really read the Old Testament, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone's life? What is it like in Jesus' ministry when the Holy Spirit comes upon his life? What is it like when Peter starts walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? That should raise your expectation of what, God, what it means to have the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I'm going to open my notes here. Um, secondly, it says that we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, that's kind of weird. Like, if you are come from a more Pentecostal background, to be baptized in fire, that's like those, like, they're like sweaty evangelist who's like, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching fire. You know, like, this is really intense. Like, maybe loud and hot and sweaty and pushing people. Like, I don't think that's what that means, like, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you think about the Old Testament, when we see fire, uh, you see, like, the children of Israel were led with the pillar of fire, right? Um, there was a fire that came through the sacrifice that Abraham made, and God confirmed his covenant with Abraham with a fire, or like a burning lantern. Um, what are some other instances with fire in the Old Testament? Elijah, right? Fire. But really, fire represents God's manifest presence in our life, Okay. And so fire is a sign, when it came upon the disciples, there were tongues of fire. That it was God saying, the, the veil is torn, and I'm fully bringing my presence into your life, okay? For full on, you have access to my presence, okay? And I think sometimes in our culture, things that are too convenient, we lose the value for them, right? Like, when was the last time you got in your car and you're like, God, I love cars, how awesome, to have this car, it takes me from point A to point B. It's amazing. I can turn on the radio. I listen to podcasts, and I just drive around in a car. 
Like, you, don't, you really don't appreciate the car because it's so convenient. You just you use it all the time. In the same way, God has made himself so accessible that we, sometimes we lose the value of having his presence in our life, right? For Israel, that was like once a year, a priest would go in, and then above, you know, there's the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, and then they'd encounter God's presence. And now it is so available to you, it almost loses the impact of the value that it has, right? And I, I really want to encourage us that having God's presence in our life, having access, should make us hungry, should make us appreciative, and make us want to pursue it. Because the more attention that you put on it, the more that God's presence will manifest in your life. If you're just like, yeah, I go to church, I felt God, I got some tingles, and it's like, I had a hamburger. Like, that, that, ex that valuing of it, you won't get the benefits of it, right? But if you're like, wow, this is special. This is something I can have and cultivate in my life every day, and you treat it with a level of, like, reverence and respect and hunger, then you're going to have more encounters with God's manifest presence, okay? Um, so... John 14, 21 says this, that he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So say that, manifest myself to him. So like Jesus is saying, you have my commandments, the father and I are gonna manifest ourselves to you. And so as a young Christian, I just wanna say that I was full of like, I wasn't really sure that God was with me, if I could be honest. Like, I thought, well, if God was with me, then how come I don't see the Jesus stuff? Like, you know, like, hello, God. You're with Jesus. Clearly, he does all these amazing miracles. But, like, where are you in my life, right? And I was so hungry. I was like, God, I need to know that you're really with me. Because if I can be convinced that you're with me, then I, I, I can start to believe that you'd actually use me to do some stuff. And uh, there's this old tape. This is back in, no, it was like 2001, maybe. Okay, so there's an old tape called Revival Fire, and this came out of Brownsville. You may have heard it. You may, maybe not. If you're familiar with the Brownsville Revival, kind of old school. And it was like all this compilation of preaching and worship. And my friends and I, it was like, a, I don't know, Friday or Saturday night, we start like praying and seeking. We're like playing this tape, and we're like praising God. We're all together, and I lived with like 13 guys. And it was, this is called the Powerhouse back in Montana. And uh, so we're like praying, and I lived in the basement, and there's probably like four or five of us, and we're just seeking the Lord. And the room, the atmosphere became really weird. You ever have like God show up, you're like, whoa, this is kind of unusual. Like, this isn't like normal Jesus stuff. It's like a little like, whoa. And then all these people in my house started coming downstairs like, what's going on down here? And like, they were falling out in my bathroom, <laughs> like, because you had to come through the bathroom to get to my room. They're like falling down, like, what's going on? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was standing there. And uh, this, I just felt like this strange warmth in front of my face, almost as if you were to shut your life and hold, shut your eyes and hold a light bulb close to your face. There was a strange warmth, and I was like, put my hand in it, like, mm, what is this? This, this is too. This is like getting a little scary, a little bit. What is happening? <laughs> and then my friend's standing there. He just falls down, and like everyone's falling down. Like this is crazy. Like Jesus, what are you doing? And uh, this presence just was there. And it was just, like, really weird, like, man, God, I'm not sure what's happening right now, and a spirit of repentance. And then, I mean, that was kind of it. And then uh, the next day, I woke up, and I just started to pray, and I was like, you know, just my normal quiet time, and all of a sudden, that presence came back on my left side. I was like, oh, you're with me. Oh, this is, and I was like, what is this Holy Spirit? And he's like, I'm letting you know I'm with you. So he's given me a physical manifestation, I am with you. And so to this day, as I'm talking to you, I still feel that same thing. And so really, intimate encounters with Christ 
Intimate encounters with God's presence mark us. Like they're moments where God marks us with a manifestation of his presence, okay? So sometimes, especially in our culture, you guys might feel things and you never voice it. Like, why do I feel like, sometimes when I pray, I might feel like warmth in my legs or like weird things. And we never actually talk about it. But those are God is marking you with his manifest presence. And if you ignore them, you never think about it. It'll just happen and you'll be like, that's just a weird thing that happens to me. But if you voice it and you put attention on it, and I say, Holy Spirit, what is this? When I pray, why do I feel these things in my body? Or why do I feel these? Why do I sense things? Then that's like God is inviting you and his manifest presence is encountering you in your body and in your, in your emotions in your life. Isn't that crazy? I don't think everyone has ever voiced that to me. I actually can't stumble into that by just asking questions of God. But I just want to set you free that if that stuff happens to you, that that's actually kind of normal. And that's a place of intimacy of the Lord just manifesting his presence in your life, okay? And so even as I'm talking, there might be people you're like, you might start to feel things. This is actually kind of normal. At SSM, I just warn people, like, we may be talking, you might be listening to a sermon like Christina or, or me be speaking, and you might start to feel weird, like, in your body, like, tingles on your hand, or you like, get really hot, or you just feel, like, super jittery inside, like, what is this? And I just want to let you know, like, that's the Holy Spirit is inviting you to a deeper encounter, okay? And so if you're feeling those things as I'm talking, or I'm just, any story I'm telling, pay attention to what what I'm talking about at that time or what you're thinking about, and then use that as a place of say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you speaking to me? What are you, how are you encountering me? Or what are you doing to draw me deeper into an encounter with you? Okay? Just like, I just want to help coach that because a lot of times we don't talk about it and so people can miss that opportunity with the Lord. And it's funny with God that unless you start asking questions about the things, he's not going to like show up and like tell you, Okay? I used to have this, I still do, so occasionally I would be talking with people and I would start seeing like a flash, like a pin flash of light above someone's head. It just kept happening and I didn't know what it was. I didn't think about it, it would just happen so randomly, I, I couldn't put a pattern to it and uh, I actually got on Web, WebMD, I was like, flashes of light above uh, in your eyes, it was like detached retina, I was like, oh my god, no, Jesus. <laughs> So then one day I was like, God, am I getting a detached retina? <laughs> I was like, what is this? And he said, and the Holy Spirit just said in that moment as I'm inquiring, when that happens, I, you need to recognize that what that person said in that moment was important and you need to pay attention to it or what they're saying, like there's a commissioning of like, I'm commissioning something into their life. And so now when that happens, I can say, like I'll be talking to someone like, wait, stop, what you just said, that was important. Or, hey, God's doing something, like that thought, you should follow that, okay? So that, that's a very practical example. That doesn't happen to me that much. It used to happen a lot more. Uh, but if, it would just keep happening until I asked the question and inquire. But don't WebMD those manifestations. You're like, cancer, no! <laughs> WebMD, so scary. All right, is that helpful at all? I hope that's helpful. All right. Secondly, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to have the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is to have that access to God's presence where we hear his voice, like, all the time, okay? And I just want to let you know that, that God loves to talk. He's not, like, hiding himself. He's not far away. He's actually super close to you. And if you begin to just talk and dialogue with him, he will talk back to you, okay? So I just want to, like, set expectations that... God is not typically going to be like, Christian, it is me, God. <laughs> like, 
that's typically not how God talks, okay? So like we, we communicate with words, but the spiritual realm communicates typically with impressions, strong thoughts, or pictures, okay? And so like if you were ever to listen to someone who had a near-death encounter and they met Jesus, nine times out of ten they're going to say their testimony, I talked to Jesus, but he talked in my mind. You ever hear that? You ever watch like someone had a near Jesus, or they met an angel, and it spoke in my, we talked telepathically, which I'm not trying to be all weird, but what I am saying is that spiritual communication is a spiritual thing. It's spirit to spirit, and the way a spirit will speak, you're going to receive it in your body in, in pictures and impressions, emotions, and thoughts, and if I set the expectation that's how you will hear God, then you're actually going to hear God pretty frequently, okay? But if you're waiting for him to show up and peel the wall away and be like, it is me, Jesus, you're probably not going to have that many dialogues with the Holy Spirit, okay? So I discovered this as a young Christian. I would walk, I would go on Holy Spirit walks, and I'd just walk and start talking like, hey God, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What are you thinking about? You know, and just in the most simple way, dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Because I had, I didn't know, no one told me that God would talk in, in spontaneous thoughts and impressions, okay? Um, but all of a sudden, I would, I would do this for like, I would talk, and then I would start to have thoughts in my head that were smarter than me if I could put it, like, yeah, I'm just like, man, I wonder what I should do about the situation, God, what do you think, and then I'd have an idea that was like, oh, that's a great idea, <laughs> like, how, that's smarter than I am, <laughs> and I started to notice, oh, this is how God talks, he talks in the spontaneous thought and impression, and so begin to take notes on that, and actually, to help you encounter God, I encourage you to get a journal Start to ask God questions, and the spontaneous thought that comes back as your mind is fixed on Christ, write that stuff down, okay? And, and take what you receive and measure it against Scripture. So if you're like, you know, God, what do you think about me? And he's like, you're ugly and fat. You know, that's not God, right? But God, what do you think about? You're my beloved. I love you. I purchased you with a price. I care for you. I have great things. Definitely God, right? <laughs> Okay, so you want to take the spontaneous thought that from the dialogue and questions you have with God and write that down and measure it against Scripture, okay? Uh, but it, the more that you do that, the more you will start to hear with clarity, okay? And you can begin to take that personal hearing over your life and then transfer that to, you know, you're out at Target and you're like, hey, man, I keep getting the name Nathan. What does that mean? Oh, that's the guy that raised me and my parents couldn't raise me, but this guy Nathan did. You know, this literally happened to me. And so the more you practice the hearing, the more you're intimate in dialogue with Holy Spirit, the more that stuff will start to manifest in your life. But the practice of hearing, it can be very practical for you. Does that make sense? I mean, that's just a blast anyways. And you can do that. You're like, Holy Spirit, what do you think about James? And you start writing, James is so cool. He's got great hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a winning personality. <laughs> no, but this is a great way to learn to prophesy over people. There's often friends of mine or people that are on my mind in my quiet time. I'll ask, Holy Spirit, what are you thinking about them? What do you have on your mind for them? And I'll just write down that word, and then I'll share that with them. Because that will just keep you sharp. And if you want to grow in the prophetic, that's a really great way to dialogue with the Lord. And then get words for people. And then share that with them. Say, hey, this is what I was praying about. I got this for you. And see if it confirms. And then you can kind of test your precision and accuracy. All right? So, so, so many dropping bombs of revelation. All right. Kind of getting off message here. Okay. So in the past, in our charismatic movement, we've been kind of obsessed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? We're like, healing. We're like, wow. 
Oh, it's like we go on this healing, like healing theme, like prophetic, wow, <laughs> right? And it's funny with gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people treat them like they're superpowers, right? Like, I have healing gift. You're like, whoa, are you the apostle of the world with a healing gift? <laughs> you ever meet those people like, I'm a five-fold apostle of angels. You're like, cool, man, show me. I'd like to see it. <laughs> so we've treated it often like they're superpowers, right? Like, like James, if I've got a gift of healing, like I just go around like healing people into hospitals. And it's really not like that. I mean, if you've operated in a gift of healing, you know that it's not like Superman or laser eyes or something. It is more that God's presence begins to manifest in you and you become aware of what God wants to do. All right? And so your, your spirit becomes in tune with his heart and then he begins to release the supernatural th through you. Uh, so it's really not like something you can control necessarily. I mean, I think you can move God's heart in a moment and get, have God's presence manifest, but it's not something that's like, you're healed and you're healed and you're healed. It's like, how do I partner with you, Holy Spirit, to demonstrate your heart to heal? How do I partner with you, Holy Spirit, to demonstrate your prophetic voice in the moment? Okay, and so really, when I've had to just change my heart towards ministry and towards the supernatural, because in the past it was like I would go to God and I'd pray, God, use me to heal the sick. Use me in words of knowledge. Use me in gifts of faith. And then it was like I'd turn and I'd start ministering. And it felt like, God, I'm just getting filled up so that I can do things for you. And the Holy Spirit had to correct me, like, James, I'm not, I'm not like the gas tank so that you can go do things for me. When you minister, you are inviting the world into your intimacy with me. You're inviting the world into say, you know me in a fresh way, and you're demonstrating that relationship to people, and you're inviting them into the same encounter. And so that's really helped me. Now it's like ministry is not about doing things for God or getting filled up so that I can do the supernatural. It is I'm bringing the supernatural revelation of my intimacy with God and the Holy Spirit, and it's imparted into your life or impacting your life. And to me, that, that helps my brain because I'm very goal-oriented. I love accomplishing things. Like I, One time my friend was like, man, you eat fast. And I was like, I don't eat, I accomplish. <laughs> And if you know me, I do eat fast. And you're like, well, I got to keep up. And I was like, I don't know, bad habit. But so I love getting things done. I love accomplishing things. And I love helping people. But if you're driven like that, it's easy to just get in the mode where you're doing things for God and not holding the relationship central. Okay. And as ministry people, we love helping people. We want to be available. And sometimes we can leave the fire behind and, and just in the process be consume, consumed with doing. And I think we need to say, hey, we need to take our, our altar, the fire on the altar, and bring it with us and burn before people. And, and what that looks like, I'm good with God's pace. I'm good with how he does things. And finally, I've come to the place of, like, you know, with him and, and ministering out of a place of intimacy, you're far more efficient and productive than just trying to do things and getting absolutely exhausted and you're just tired the next day. Like, now I'm not tired. Like, I do the well now out of this place of just ministering out of presence and intimacy and it would wipe me out the next day. Like, you minister, you prophesy for four hours at the well. You're like, tell me, trust me, you're fried. But, like, now I'm just like, I'm pumped up. Like, I could just keep going. I was like, oh, we're done? It's 11? Let's keep rolling, you know? Because, like, when you're ministering out of a place of intimacy, it gives you stamina to go at his pace. All right? Dude. Jesus. If you guys want to do SSM, you're absolutely invited. And... I just want to say, just a little plug, this is like your YouTube video you're watching, and then like, hey guys, it's me. You want this Lamborghini? I read 3,000 books. <laughs> you ever see those ads? 
you guys know what I'm talking about, YouTube reference. Um, but that we are, I want to invite you to a few things. So if you're getting hungry about what we're saying, starting in March, we're going to be doing Friday night, night power evangelism, okay? So we meet at the Church of the Foothills at 8 p.m., and you're welcome to come. You don't necessarily need to have a ton of training, but it's not necessarily a training time. This is a time to take risks. So if you're going to be like, James, train me how to do power evangelism, probably not the, not the right setting. But if you're wanting to come and pray, you're wanting to come and observe, you want to see what it looks like to minister on the streets, and you're like, whoa, I, I didn't know that could have worked like that. You're absolutely welcome to do that. Totally invited. 8 o'clock at Church of the Foothills. Um, and then once a month, we're going to be doing like revival services, prophet, prophetic healing. So we invite the people that we minister to to come to these services. Or if you know someone that has a sickness or a disease, they're welcome to come. And, and so we're just going to launch that. So our first one's in March, March 13th, okay? Um, and so you're welcome to come and check that out. So I want to invite you guys. I was going to forget that if I didn't say it. Um, so now back to our regular programming. All right. We go till when? 11.45, all right. I, t I accept that challenge. Mm. <laughs> okay. The th third thing I want to talk about, and I know this may be a little weird for people, so I'm just going to just say, hey, this could be a little weird, but I want to talk about something that's really helpful, and it doesn't have to be weird, and that is speaking in tongues, okay? So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in tongues very often accompanies that baptism, okay, that encounter with God. And for some of you, you're like, obviously, and for some of you might be like, that's weird, really? And I want to let you know, one, if you get prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's not an expectation from me that you have to prove your baptism by speaking in tongues, okay? Because I recognize that's kind of weird for people, that like, you're going to speak in this unknown language, and how does it work? And you might feel awkward and weird about it just to do it in public. You might feel weird about it. So you could receive prayer, and you could go home in your bedroom and be like, <laughs> and that's okay. I, that's wonderful, okay? And I just want to let you know that just like when you pray for the sick, there's a human element, okay? If I'm going to pray for the sick, Jesus says, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so that means if I want to pray for the sick and see them healed, I'm going to have to put my hand on people and pray. And that's my human part, like, Okay, God's not going to be like, whoa, James, and like take over my body and pray for people. Like, that's not going to happen. Of my own volition, I'm going to lay my hands on people, and I'm going to pray, and God is going to do the healing. But I'm doing my part and my role. In the same way, the human element of praying in tongues means you have to open your mouth. You have to participate. You will have to move your mouth because God's not going to be like, like, that's just not, doesn't work like that. There's a human, you open your mouth. But the origin of the words will come from a spiritual place, okay? They're not cognitive. It's not like you're, like, thinking about it in the way that you would think about speaking normal English. It, it's not here. It's going to come from here, okay? And so let's say you, you get prayer today, and you, you're like, I'm going to try this out. And you close the closet, and you turn on the sound machine on your phone so no one hears you, and you're like, oh, and you just feel, okay, I'm, just, I'm making a joke. I'm making light of it. But I'm trying to make it easy for you without pressure, Okay? And the reason that speaking in tongues is super powerful is that it is a secret weapon from God for the believer. And it does a few things. One, it's one of the most intimate ways that you can communicate with God. Now, typically, when we talk to God, we're going to use our brains and our prayer language, and it's going to come cognitively or from our minds. We're going to think about a thought, 
And we're like, God, I pray that you'd fix the situation most of the time. It's like, I got problems, fix it. And you're going to pray that way. Speaking in tongues is as the Holy Spirit prays with us. And it's going to come not from your head. It's going to come, usually it's going to feel like it's somewhere in your stomach, okay? And you're just going to let it flow out of you, okay? Uh, I know that this sounds weird if you've never done this. And you're like, how does this work? But trust me. It will flow. You can trust God. He's been doing this for thousands of years. You're not the exception where it won't work for you. I promise it will work for you. Okay? So one, speaking in tongues can be on the linguistic level. That is that I could speak in tongues and God could give me a tongue and someone's here that doesn't speak English and they speak, you know, uh, they speak in Hindi and I'm just like, and boom, Hindi comes out. And they're like, whoa, that's amazing. And I share the gospel. That's a linguistic in the sense of tongues operating in a linguistic form. Now, would you like some tongue stories just to make it less awkward and weird? Because I've had some pretty wild stuff. Okay, so my first wife was a YWAM um, leader in Kona, okay? And so she was managing these teams, and one of her teams went to India. And in India, this is before they had, like, cell phones everywhere. And they were in a big caravan, and they were in India, and they were... I think it was Delhi, and they were trying to get to the hotel from the airport, and these people got lost, and there was two girls and a guy. And um, so they were absolutely lost in India. They had no idea how to get a hold of their people or how to get to the hotel. It's obviously, India is very busy and crazy. So they were like, one of the girls was like, I think I'm supposed to pray in tongues, and then you tell him, or I'm going to pray in tongues and get the direction. And she said to the guy, I'm going to tell you left or right, and then you speak in tongues and tell him, I think God's going to make, show us where to go, okay? <laughs> so the two girls were in the back like, Jesus, show us, left or right, show us. And she's like, left, and he'd be like, shatarababa, and the guy would go, left. And they did this for like 20 minutes, and they found right to the hotel. That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> okay, and I had another kid from my youth group named John Bowman, okay? And so this was in 2005 during the Katrina cleanup, and... Um, He's like this, I had so many problems with this kid because he was like always taking risks. Like I did a, a, a word of knowledge workshop for our church of 500 people in Montana. And he got up there and he was like, I feel like someone struggles with erectile dysfunction. I was like, John, bro, no. You know, like one of those people, you're like, what are you thinking? <laughs> Not thinking. I was like, don't respond to that word, everyone. Just find John like two weeks from now. Get prayer. <laughs> Okay, so you get the idea of the kind of people we're dealing with here. So John is down in the French Quarter, and he's a fiery young man for Jesus. And so he's walking, he sees two, um, two gay guys, and they're just hanging out in the French Quarter. And the Holy Spirit says, John, I want you to go pray for them. And he's like, no. And he just starts walking away. He's like, I'm not praying for those guys. I don't know what, I don't even know what I would say. And so then the Holy Spirit, like a block later, like, go back. I want you to pray for them. He's like, no. It's like three times he's like, no. And then I think the third time he like falls down. He's like, no. And then he like trips and falls down. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going back. So, so he goes back and then he goes up to the guys. He's like, I was so nervous. I didn't know. I just, I don't even know what to say. I've never really done this before. So I, he walked up to the guys like, hey guys, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Would that be okay? And they're like, ha, pray for us. Yes. <laughs> and so he's like, I just put my hand on the guy and I was like, Jesus, I pray, and then he like, said a few words in English, and he said, I was so nervous, I actually just started praying in tongues. And so he's like, shut up, 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 up. So he thinks he's like speaking in tongues, right? 
though he has his eyes closed because he's freaking out. <laughs> Opens his eyes, they're both crying. And he's like, awkward moment, like, hey. And the one guy's like, don't you know what you just said to him? He's like, no. You told him that his father loves him, and if he goes home, his father will receive him, and his dad loves him, and he should go home. Right? That's powerful. God is so outside of our heads of what he is able to do, okay? That's powerful, okay? So really, you're not bringing a whole lot to the game. You're bringing your willingness, your obedience, <laughs> your weirdness, your John Bolmanness. <laughs> And God can use something that's just surrendered and says, God, if you want me to, I will, tr I will do my best. I'm not promising great results, okay, because it's just me. But if you'll do something, I'm willing to be there, okay? So tongues, I want to just emphasize, it's totally powerful. And it's something that you, linguistically, God can use you. Secondly, it's the Holy Spirit. It's an intimate language that God gives you. It says, Paul says, we can speak in the tongue of men or in the tongue of angels, okay? So there can be a speaking in tongues that is a communication between you and God, that only, that is just intimate, that you and him have, okay? And then it says in 1 Corinthians, is in, uh, da -da. Uh, oh shoot, it's in 1 Corinthians, I want to say 13, sorry, I didn't take the scripture down, maybe it's in my Google here, nope, okay, it's 1 Corinthians 14, 6, all right, and it says this, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? Okay, so if I, it's saying, if I come to you and I'm like, hey, Suzanne, and I just stop there, how will that profit Suzanne, right? You're like, that was really weird, James. Why'd you do that? Okay, so what's going to profit you, Suzanne, unless I speak to you by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Okay, so what Paul is saying here is that when you speak in tongues, that's good because you're going to edify yourself. But it's saying it also releases these four things. It can release revelation. It can release teaching. It can release prophecy. And it can release knowledge. Okay? So do you know that those, the koala change your diaper thing that you see? Like you're out at the restaurant and you're going to the stall and there's the change your diaper station. Do you know the guy that invented that got that while he was speaking in tongues? He's in Minnesota. He was like asking God for inventions. Like, and he's like, shut up in his own quiet time. And he gets this impression like, we need a diaper change station. And God gave him that information. And he became a millionaire by helping people and dads change diapers in public. I mean, that's crazy, right? I'm saying God's secret weapon to communication, to releasing the, dis the hidden information that you're needing to do better at your job, to solve problems, to prophesy to a higher level, to bring a better teaching of the word of God, speaking in tongues is key to that, is central to that. And if you, if you go at it like, oh, I'm just going to speak in tongues because I'm told to, or you go at it like, I need insight on my job, or I need greater sales in real estate, shut the Holy Spirit, give me strategy, and you begin to just pray in, pay attention to the thoughts that come in your mind when you're praying in tongues. Because often that is the interpretation, and that is the revelation of the answer you've been praying for. Okay, so a lot of times people just, you're not thinking of it that way, but if you ever notice, if you prayed in tongues for an extended period of time, you get some really, you know your mind is not engaged. Like you could be cruising Reddit, reading like memes and speaking in tongues at the same time because it doesn't take your mental faculty. But if you pay attention, you fix your mind on Jesus while you do it, insight and understanding, you'll be utilizing the baptism in a more productive way. Okay, so that's, that's a fair, that's a, that's a good nugget, James. Good nugget. <laughs> All right. So I would love, I hope that you're hungry, because I would love to pray 
for everybody that wants a deeper infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying, see, we can receive the Holy Spirit, but then you can get like the upgrade, right? And so if there's something in my life that God would impart to you, I would want you to have it. If you want to go to a deeper level in healing or you want to hear his voice in a more intimate and clear way, I would love to pray for that for you. Um, so if that's you, you know, let's just stand up. And I just have a high expectation of what God will do. And I did, it's okay if I just share a couple words real quick. Um, this is funny. I just felt, and you don't have to raise your hand. You can just come up privately because I don't want to embarrass you. But I felt like there was, um, there was somebody here that you had like a spirit of trauma. And, and that it's like, I see like an accident. I'm not sure if it's a car accident or if there's some sort of accident in your life that has caused you to have like intrusive thoughts. So you'll be going about your day and you just have like, you can't revisiting this thought like keeps popping in your mind. That's called an intrusive thought. And it can be, sometimes the enemy can use opportunities like that to get into our lives and cause us to think a certain way or keep revisiting trauma in an unhealthy way. And so if that's you or that makes sense, I would love to pray for you. I've just seen God just do such amazing things in setting people free in their minds and in their emotions towards stuff like that. And then, you know, if you need healing for anything, um, love to pray for you. But really, I'm just hungry to see a deeper level of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so if we got, like, some of our SSM people... Christina, Scott, whom some of our crew, or if you've got prayer team, love to have them pray. All right. Well, put your hands out like you're giving Jesus a double low five. All right. Well, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're good, that you're a good, kind friend. And God, I'm asking that you would show up today. Would you baptize afresh in the Holy Spirit? Would you baptize us? Orient our hearts orient our minds, orient our lives afresh towards you. I pray that you'd open our ears to hear your voice, open our eyes to see you in a clear way. God, you are the God who hears and you're the God that sees. So I'm asking that you would deepen our understanding, make us hungry for heaven, God. Make us hungry for the supernatural, in Jesus' name. And so if you're one of those people that also, you just felt like, man, I had this weird thing happen while James was speaking, I would love to pray for you. That would just be like God is tapping you on the shoulder saying you should get prayer. And if you're like, oh, I want more and your heart is beating and you're a little nervous, let you go up. That is totally the person that should come up for prayer. And so I just want to invite you. If you want a deeper infilling, you're welcome to come now. We're going to pray for you. And uh, we just love you guys. We want to go deeper as a community with you. Amen.